Uh, if you have your hand out, we talked about the call to action that we must go where the fish are. And then number three, you must analyze. Tonight I want to talk about analyzing the environment, analyzing the environment. See, what happens to a lot of people, uh, and here's the thing that happens, amen. Now, I want to want to help you with the rejection piece. First of all, um, the passage of Scripture that you had, Acts 18 and 6, right? So let's look at it a little bit, and I want to show you something that's pretty powerful. I thought this passage was pretty, pretty powerful, amen? All right, so let's back up for a minute to verse 1, and let's talk about where Paul was and look at how Paul, first of all, I want to tell you, Paul's ministry, Paul took the gospel to places that it had never been preached before. And one of the things, one of the most difficult things to do, amen, is to be courageous enough to do something like that, amen, is taking the gospel where it's never been before. Now, what is the challenge in that? Well, change? New? What forces are you fighting? Satan? All right. Now, how many know that you, you fight? There's a spiritual battle going on. Every time you make a decision, amen, to do something for God. How many, how many know that? Huh? How many know that? Anytime you, you ever notice that? When you play, you could plan anything. You could you could plan a barbecue. You you amen. You could plan a, a bachelor party. You could plan all kinds of stuff. But guess what? It'll it'll all go well. But from the time you put God in it, come on, somebody. From the time you say you're getting ready to do something for God, what happens to us? We face what oppositions. And can you imagine that Paul, who was a Jew? right, who was the persecutors of Christians is now a proponent for Christianity. He is a promoter of Christianity now. He was the one that approved the death of Philip, and, amen, and Stephen, actually, amen. And not only that, but, but here's the thing. Here he is now. He's converted. He's changed he, has, he is Christ-like, and now his main focus is to get the message out of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to say this to you. You and I must be concerned about getting the message out. Listen, we can tell people, come visit our church, but the message that we want to put out here is that Jesus is in the saving business. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I want to say this to you tonight. If you don't know that Jesus saves, he does save. What does he save us from? He saves us from the power of sin. He saves us from the penalty of sin. He saves us from the very presence of sin. And he saves us from sin past, present, and what? Future. Now, I don't know about you, but... I needed forgiveness. How many needed forgiveness? How many of you needed deliverance? Amen. amen, amen. I don't know how far you were in, but I believe that all of us, whether you were an addict or not, you were addicted to sin. Wish I had somebody. Listen, even the most sophisticated of us, we needed a Savior because we were born as what? Sinners. Amen. Our message when we go out on these streets or wherever we are at work or wherever you should be witnessing now in places at your work, you know, inviting people to church and things like that and trying to get them to, to Jesus, right? So Paul took on this mission of carrying the gospel all over Asia. He went all over Rome, Italy. Uh, he went to Miletus. He went to all these different places. He was willing to sacrifice his life so that he could take the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember this, and I want to make this very plain. We're not just flyer pushers. 
Come on, somebody. We don't just go out here just because we have a fly in our hands. We must be armed with the gospel of Jesus Christ so that that person that you're talking to, that you can understand, and guess what? They need Jesus just like you needed him. Amen? Now, I don't know about you, but how many of you remember when you gave your life to Jesus? Amen. Do you remember how the change started to happen in your life? Amen. Jesus changes, right? He transforms and he sets us free. So let's look at what Paul is saying in, in Corinthian. Paul now is at Corinth. Amen. And look, remember we started reading this last week, right? Look what it says. It says, and after these things, he left what? Athens and went to where? Now, Athens is the capital of Greece. So now remember this. Paul is going into unfamiliar territory, sharing the gospel. Now, when Jesus says in Matthew 18, go ye therefore into what? All the world, right? Did he not say that? He says go, right? Go and what? Make disciples into where? In the world. He's not just talking about here in Pearland. He's talking about the fact that we, listen, the gospel is not limited, come on somebody, just to one geographical area. The gospel is universal and we must carry the gospel to places that it has never been before. May I say this to you? The world has already been evangelized. Amen. And it started with Paul. Amen. Now watch this. He says, and he found a what? A Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy. See that? With his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave what? Now you know what was happening there? Persecution. I want to talk a little bit about that tonight. Let me say this to you. Don't ever be surprised at the fiery ordeals that comes up in your life because you've made a decision to follow Jesus. The enemy will always try to stand against you, but what we cannot do is we cannot allow him to get the better of us, especially when it comes down to evangelism. Now, notice this. Claudius, at this time, amen. You know what he did? He put a ban on Jews. <laughs> hint, hint. Amen. They've been banning people for a long time. It's not a new thing. But the Jews were being put out. Amen. Look at this. The Jews were scattered, but now he told the Jews to leave Rome. There's something going on here. What, what's going on? Persecution. And at this time, watch this, he says he came to them, and because he was of the same trade, and I told you this last week, he stayed with them, and they were working, for by trade they were what? Tent makers. So when I say to you, as you are at your job, wherever you work, that's your mission field. Amen. Now, now listen, I know that some of us may not get an opportunity to speak to people in depth, but your life should be depositing something into somebody else. Amen. Amen. Your life should be telling a story. In other words, you and I should be, look differently. Watch this. Every time we go to work, every day, we should look different. Why? Because we know something that the world doesn't know. We know Jesus. And here's the other thing. One of the things about knowing Jesus that you got to understand is that he has transforming power. Amen. Things I used to do, I don't do anymore. Listen, when you say to yourself, man, I can't change, I got something for you, you can change. Amen. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. It's amazing how many of us, we do not guard our minds and what the enemy does is he infects our minds and he gets us to believe that, watch this, we can't do 
what we've been called to do, that we're not good enough, that we're not smart enough. But I want to tell you something. If Paul would have thought about all of his deficiencies, the gospel would have never left Amen. Rome, it would have never left Jerusalem. It would have never gotten into the areas that it had gotten into. Can you imagine that you and I can be just like Paul in some respects? Amen. Wherever we go, we can take the word of God with us. We can encourage somebody, but here's the thing. We can tell them that, watch this, that Jesus is the answer to your sin problem. Remember, we're not trying to bring people to Christ and let them, you're not going to say, well, well, if you come to Christ, your marriage is going to get better. That's the, matter of fact, when you come to Christ, your marriage may get worse. Amen. Amen. Because you're fighting what? Spiritual forces, right? Amen. So as we grow and as we become stronger, this is how we ought to operate. We go to our jobs. He says they were what? Tent makers. Where were they at? They were working out in the field, building tents, setting up tents. And look what the text says. And he was what? Reasoning in the what? Synagogue where? Every Sabbath. Trying to persuade who? Now, now, do you know that Christianity stems from Judaism? Did you know that? Jesus was a Jew. Amen. <laughs> now, here is the problem that Paul had. Paul was dealing with some difficult people. First of all, the Jews believed in Judaism. They believe in the Old Testament way of, of, of dealing with God. The Greeks, are, they believe in mythology. They believe in, you know, mysticism. And so here we have, they are in the synagogue. Now, the synagogue was a place where people will come, would come for teaching. Amen. Amen. As long as you had seven men... You can have a synagogue, all right? So a synagogue was a place where they would come for teaching. Now, what Paul did, Paul went to work, but every Sabbath he showed up where? At the church. <laughs> Amen. He showed up where? At the church. Now, let me say this to you. Some of us may think that church attendance is not important. But I want to encourage you tonight to let you know something. You can't witness to somebody if you're not in church. You can't tell somebody that you can come to my church when you don't even come to your own church. Amen. And I've seen that happen. I've seen people tell other people, hey, you know, you ought to do this for the Lord. You ought to do that. And then guess what? They're not even doing what they're saying. So what did Paul do? Paul not only did he find time to work, watch the text. He was working by trade as a what? Tent maker. Verse 3. Verse 4. And he was what? Reasoning where? In the synagogue when? Some Sabbaths. What does it say? Every Sabbath. So in other words, Paul made it a habit Come on, somebody. That he would be where on the Sabbath? In church. He wanted, so, so here's the thing. You're out here telling people to come to Jesus. But why should you tell them to come to church? Tell me why. The house of God, you worship God. See, here's the problem with most people today, right? I don't think that most people understand the purpose of church attendance. What is the purpose of it? You said it. Worship God. Be in the presence of God. What did you say? Spiritual maturity. 
How do you expect to grow when you don't come to church? How do you expect to become stronger in your faith if you're not at the place? The Bible says every time, well, I'm I'm paraphrasing. Every time you come into church, we go into permanent press. You're being washed right now with the word. Y'all been to the laundry lately? Permanent press, y'all got washes at your house, all right? Amen. You, You can do a spin cycle if you want. But I want permanent press. Why? Because it gives me a deeper clean. Amen. But if you just put it on quick spin, amen. You, you just, yeah, it's just in and out, right? But, but, the, but the church gives you, watch this, the, the necessary artillery that you need, watch this, foundationally so that you can become stronger because your mission in life is not just to be rich, just not to be successful. God wants you to be a mouthpiece for him. Amen. Amen. God wants to use your life so that somebody else can say, man, when I get to that, I want to be just like you. We have visible representations here tonight of people who will weaken. How many will weaken your faith at one point? Amen. Amen. How many can say you've grown since you've been under the word of God? How many can say you really, you've grown? How many can say right now that you are growing? Amen. Amen. This is real. But, but what I love about Paul's example is that he went to the right place, watch this, to convince those who did not believe. He was trying to, do you know how hard it is to persuade a Jew? Trying to persuade a Jew is trying to persuade a drunk. Or trying to persuade an atheist. Or trying to persuade someone who says, I don't want nothing to do with God. And here's what's happening in a lot of churches today. Because a lot of people have been hurt by, anybody been hurt by church before? It's difficult when you've been hurt by church, by churches, watch this, to go to another church and try to receive something again from God. But may I tell you what that was all about? That was a strategy from Satan. Satan's strategy is to keep you at odds with your husband or wife. Come on, somebody. His, his strategy is to keep you at odds with yourself. Amen. His strategy is to keep you at odds with people at the job. I don't think you're hearing me. Let me say this to you. You think it's the people at your job? It's not the people at your job. The Bible says we fight not against what? Flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in high places. So therefore, your battle is not with flesh. And so therefore, if Satan can, watch this, disrupt, listen to this, dismantle, Watch this, and, and, and watch this, and destroy your testimony. Amen. In the workplace, at home, amen. In your everyday life, if he can do that, then he's done his job. But what you have to do in spite of, you and I have to, you know, do you know how many times, Monday, it started Monday morning. Do, do you know how many, uh, when we face, uh, there, are, there are demonic people out here, watch this, and every time you come into that presence, it takes everything in you to hold your peace. Anybody been there? But you know that you've grown. When you don't retaliate. When you realize that you don't have to get the last word. Or you don't have to say anything because guess what? It's a trap. 
That's what it is. And so, watch this. A lot of us would run from the Jews and the Greek. But Paul says, man, I'm going every Sunday. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to sit here and we're going to reason together. And we're going to talk about, listen, whatever I don't know, I got a pastor I can call. Amen. The text says he's, he was trying to persuade them. Hallelujah to his holy name. The word persuade in the Greek, the word means, watch this, the word means to convince them. And what was he trying to convince them of? He was trying to convince them with confidence that Jesus was the Christ. Because the Jews do not believe their hearts are hardened. And let me say this to you. When you go outreach witnessing and when you're talking to people, let me tell you something. You're going to run into some people whose hearts are hardened. Don't take it personal. Never take it personal. You know why? Because let, let me say this to you. If you feel rejected... I want to say this to you. It was never about you in the first place. It was never about you. They are not rejecting you. They are rejecting the Christ that you represent. Do I have anybody? Verse 5. Let's see what verse 5 says. It says, but when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, notice, notice all the different places, right? We see what? We see Corinth. We see Italy. We see Rome. Huh? Amen. We see, now we see what? Macedonia. Look what it says. Paul began devoting himself completely to what? To what? The word. Solemnly what? Testifying to the what? To the who? To the Jews that what? Jesus was the Christ. May I say this to you? Your only message is that Jesus is the Christ. Your only message, you got one message, Jesus is the Christ. Only message, Jesus is the Christ. You need some help? Jesus is the Christ. And when you make Jesus Lord of your life, hallelujah to his holy name. Look at verse 6 though. It says, but when they, what? Resisted. Don't that word resist mean? Antithetheos in the Greek. And the word means to battle against. They wasn't just, they, they were not just like, oh, I don't want to hear that news. They were battling him. They were literally resisting him. There are a lot of people. Listen, here's the thing. Think about it like this. You're going out into a hostile world and you will face what? Resistance. Resistance to the point where people may call you bad names. They may say things to you that you, you, know, you don't want to hear. But I want to tell you something. You cannot take it personal. Paul says, look what Paul said. Paul says, but when they resisted and what? Blasphemed. Now, let me tell you about the blaspheme issue here. Here's some good news for you. Whenever they resist you, they are really resisting the Holy Spirit. Just like you're hearing a word right now tonight, if you're closing your mind to it right now, and if you're not paying attention right now, you know what you're doing? You are resisting the Holy Spirit because it is the Holy Spirit that's doing the teaching. Yes. Do I have anybody? Amen. Now, when you walk out here on these streets or when you go at your job or when you, wherever you are and you're sharing the good news and they resist you or they blast, I don't want to hear nothing about your God. I don't want to hear nothing, but your God can't do nothing for me. Man, leave me alone. Get you a job or something. You, you know, people tell you stuff. People, I done heard all kinds of stuff. They're not resisting you. They're blaspheming the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one 
who is in charge of evangelism. Do I have anybody? Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit wants to work in this church. The Holy Spirit wants a full-blown ministry where why we are bringing the lost to Christ. He wants that. But he understands, saints, that in order for us to do this, we got to get out of being selfish. We have to not just think about us. We have to think about what? Other people. That's what winning souls is all about. But remember this. They were blaspheming him. They were resisting him. But look what Paul did. He shook out his garments and said to who? To them. Your blood be what? On your what? Own heads. I am what? Clean. Now let me just say this for a minute. Paul is spending day and night, Sabbath after Sabbath, in the synagogue, preaching and teaching and reasoning. Oh, I got some pastors that feel like that. They've been preaching and teaching and reasoning and trying to get people to serve God, trying to get people to live for God. But it's so hard sometimes when people are not thinking about God but thinking only of themselves They never see a need to do this. Are y'all with me? And Paul now is in the synagogue and he's trying to get his people. Come on, somebody. I don't know anybody in here who wouldn't want to see their family. How many would like to see some of your family members in church? How many would like to see some of them saved? Husbands that need to be saved. Amen. Children that needs to be saved. Amen. Amen. People that needs to be saved. But watch this. You've been laboring, Paul. Paul said, I've been laboring, teaching these people, sharing with them how to win souls. But yet every time I come to them, they resist me. Watch this now. When you resist the message, you're blaspheming. How many know what blaspheming means? Blaspheming means to profane sacred things. Amen. To profane sacred things. To slander. So in other words, Paul was dealing with people who were slandering him but they were really slandering the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. Remember what I said. When they resist you, they're not resisting you. Who are they resisting? The Holy Spirit. Now watch this. Watch the text. The text says, he, so he said, so Paul got mad. Paul had a little attitude sometimes. Paul, <laughs> Paul was patient to a certain point. Like, like the girl that was giving him a hard time, and he rebuked the spirit out of her, and he got, he, got, he got a whooping for that, if you read it in the book of Acts. Okay, but watch this. He says, your blood be on what? Your heads. I am what? From now on. From now on what? If we keep going to food town, they don't want to hear us, we're going to go to Kroger. Come on, somebody. If Kroger don't want us, guess what? We're going to go to Walmart. If Walmart don't want us, we'll catch a corner somewhere. Amen. Don't take it what? Personal. Shake it off. Take it to somebody. Jesus said, Jesus said I didn't come for the, 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 the people who are healthy. I came for sinners. I didn't come come for those who were in good health. I came for those who were sick. And oftentimes, saints, that family member that you're trying to reach that won't hear you, you got to move on. I know you love them. Never stop praying for them. 
But if they will not receive the message of Jesus Christ, you got to shake that thing off and you got to go find somebody else. See, a church that does not evangelize will always stay the same. We'll always be the same kind of people. We have to care more about not just ourselves, not being comfortable, but caring for the lost. Because the lost is important to Jesus. Amen? Look what it says here in verse 7. And that he left there, watch this now, and went to the house of a man named what? Titus of what? Justice. Notice what the text says. Who was what? He left there and he went to a man. Come on, somebody. You know what I want to tell you? Surround yourself with some worshipers. Whenever you feel down, whenever you feel like, you know, I'm defeated, I can't make it anymore, when things look tight in your life, when people reject you, when it looks like it's not working out, put yourself around some worshipers. Some people who will lift their hands and say, God, I understand, I don't understand, but what? Guess what, Lord? For you I live and for you I die. God, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Come, let us, yeah, let us what? Worship together. Paul left these. Now watch this. The beauty about Paul in this passage is that he didn't take it personal. He didn't hold on to any resentment. He went on to the next thing, and he went and he put himself around a guy who could help him lift him up. Is that powerful? Watch the text. The text says he went there, a worshiper of God whose house, now notice, he didn't go too far. <laughs> Look where his house was. Listen, you can live right next to the church and don't be a worshiper. You can be right next to the church and end up going to hell because the church never went outside and knocked on the door and said, hey, man, I heard you're a worshiper. I wish I had somebody. Can you imagine his house was right next to the, to the what? To sit, why does the Bible point this out for us? Goes to show you, you can be in the proximity. Hallelujah. And never be transformed. And there's a lot of churches out here. They, they, they're very big churches, right? Watch this. They're right next to homes. But what they're expecting is that if we build a big building and, and, and stand out in the community, guess what? People will automatically what? Stop by. But if we're not going out and there are people living right by the church, then that blood is on our hands. Are you with me? Watch the text. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed what? See, so even though he spent that time and he did not have much success, all, turn to your neighbor and say this. Say, neighbor, all it takes is one. It took 12 for the gospel to leave Jerusalem to reach the whole world. He says, and what? Crispus, the what? The leader of the synagogue, what did he do? He believed in the Lord with what? With all his household. And many of the Corinthians, when they heard, were what? And being what? Now, what's the difference? He was at the synagogue with the Jews and the Greeks. Oh, I wish I had somebody. 
But he changes locations. He goes to Titus's, Justice Titus's house, and, and what happens? A man who is a what? Worshiper. And here's what I learned from this passage. If you can get to the leader, if you can get to the head of the household, if you can get to the manager of the company, if you can get to the head, everybody else will follow. Notice what the text says. The text says, do you see it? What does the text say? It says he believed in the Lord. With who? May I say this to you? God will save somebody in the house, but he's going to start at the head. And it's going to trickle on down. Get to the head. And you'll win the whole family. The text says his whole household and many of the Corinthians, when they heard, were believing and what? And being baptized. And watch verse 9. And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision. What did he say to him? Do not be what? But go on what? Oh, I'm trying to help you tonight. Let me say this to you. The rejection that he felt earlier. God put him around someone who could lift him up, a worshiper. And then being right next to the synagogue. Now, now he's not around the Jews anymore. <laughs> he's around the what? Gentiles. And his success comes immediately. Sometimes we're trying to force things to happen for the Lord. When all we got to do is change locations. Move to where, in other words, analyze your environment. Look around, pay attention. If God isn't working in that environment, he moved to the next Listen, you may be saying right now, Pastor, I, I'm trying to deal with my own life. I'm trying to, I'm trying to just shoot. I, I, I ain't got time to be thinking about nobody else. <laughs> That's the truth. But if you become a lover of souls, the Bible says he who is wise wins souls. And not only that, but there are crowns waiting for you in heaven. Amen. The text says that God appeared to him and to encourage him. Don't allow fear to stop you. I remember when we went out a couple weeks back, I was like, man, I started standing up in the car like, man, man, that's kind of different right here. You know what I mean? I, I was like, I was like, man, dude, I, I'm, I'm rusty at this thing here. But then the Lord, I said, you know what, let me cross the street. I was standing in front of Walgreens. So I crossed the street into the strip center. I walked into the mattress store where I bought a mat, where I bought some furniture from the guy in there, and I started witnessing to him. It's amazing how God works, y'all. Amen. Here's the other thing. In the midst of your disappointments, God will give you opportunities to witness. The other day, I'm driving down the freeway. My car overheats. Radiator has a hole in it. Pull over. Call the record truck. So, you know, I'm just sitting. I said, you know, hey, it is what it is. Now, I could have taken on a different attitude. I could have gotten upset. I could have been all bent out of shape. But here's what I did. I was reading my word. 
the record driver shows up, and it's a young man. He got tattoos all over him, man. Pleasant spirit, and I begin to witness to him. Now, here's the thing. The beauty of that story is like, Pastor, he's like, man, I need someone like you in my life. Now, I could have gotten all bent out of shape, but I looked at this as an opportunity to what? To not be afraid to open my mouth and say something. Listen, how many people have you walked by that you just let them go by you and you never said because you were wrapped up in what? Yeah, you were wrapped up in your problems. You weren't thinking about, you weren't thinking that the Lord will make a way. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You weren't thinking like that because when we fall into trials, we do not think about the Lord will use this, James chapter 1. He'll give you a way of escape. Paul now God needed to talk to Paul. And he says to him, look what he says to him. He says, do not be afraid any what? Longer. You know what the devil wants to do? What does he want to do? They just said it. Shut us up. He wants us to close our mouth. A lot of you know a lot about the Bible. A lot of you know a lot about God because of what he's done for you. But here's the thing. Satan will keep you antisocial. No, nah, I don't want to go nowhere. I don't want to go. So watch this. So God has to allow some adversity in your life so you have to interact with other people. I wish I had somebody. Paul was discouraged. He had gotten afraid because the text says, do not be afraid, what? Any longer. Which suggests that fear had set in to silence him. Saints, can I ask you a question? What has silenced you? Who has silenced you? You may have been through something and it has caused you to say now, you know what, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not focused on, I'm not saying nothing. Don't ever allow the enemy to intimidate you, to shut you up. Watch the text. The text says, but go on. God, Jesus tells him this. But do what? But go on what? Speaking. And do not be what? Silent. Verse 10. For I am what? And no man. Oh, hallelujah to his holy name. And no man will what? Attack you in order to harm you. For I have many people <laughs> in this city. Paul went into unfamiliar territory. I'll never forget when we went to Trinidad. How amazing that was. My first trip back to Trinidad after 25 years. And we went down to the beach. And, and that scripture right here just brought that to mind. When he says, I have many people in this city, you're not alone. Question is, how many people does God have in this city that cares about souls? You're not alone. In other words, God is saying, I can hook you up. <laughs> you don't have to do this by yourself. Watch this. We're sitting on the beach, and all of a sudden I see these people coming. I'm like, man, 
they had an all white, and I was like, man, they look kind of strange, you know, because, you know, they have Hindus over there and stuff like that, right? And I'm like, man, maybe there's a bunch of Hindus, right? Come to find out it was a pastor from Houston. What are the chances of that happening? He was a pastor from Houston that was baptizing about 12 Hindus who had just given their lives to Christ. And he asked me to come and help him baptize. Now, saints, I don't know about you, but I see God working. I care about people's lives. The question is, do you care enough to see people change and transform through the power of God's word? Stop allowing Satan to silence you. Stop allowing Satan to cause you to walk in fear. Anything done without faith is sin. You may want to note that. And if you're operating in fear, it's the opposite of faith, and therefore you cannot really see what God has for you. Because when you're living in sin, it separates you from God. Are you with me? Do you know how many people do you know how many people have been silenced in our church? Because of their circumstances? Read verse 11 for me. How long? A year and six months. And what did he do, y'all? Teaching the word of God where? Among them. The Jews and the Greeks didn't want it. God sent them to a place where there were some who believed in Corinth. And for a year and six months, Paul labored in teaching the word to them. See, here's the thing. We can't just get them. We got to teach them. And when we get them, we got to compel them to come into the house of God so we can grow them up in the faith. Are you with me? Go to this scripture for me. Go to Matthew 5. What a great, what a great look, isn't it? That was a great look, y'all. Matthew 5, this is why I love expository teaching and preaching. Because you're dealing with it one verse at a time. Now, let me show you something about this passage here. Back up to verse 11 for me. I want to show you something. Well, let's back. You know what? This is the B attitudes, right? All right. Let me me show you something here. Go to verse 8. Now, now the word blessed here is the word makarios. The word means happy. Now, he's saying, Jesus is saying, blessed are you when people what? Persecute you? For what? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people what? Insult you and persecute you and what? Falsely say what? All kinds. Anybody been there? See, the the, the thing is, we must not retaliate. We want to retaliate. How many have been been going through lately? Especially since you started to fast. Okay, nobody. Okay, good. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Well, pray. Well, I've been going through. (laughs) Amen. I've been going through. Amen. Watch this. Watch this. He, said, he, said, he says right here, he says, he says, verse 12, he says, rejoice and be what? 
For your reward, what? In, in heaven is what? See, the problem with us is that we do not think heavenly. We only think earthly. So we're just thinking about our everyday needs, money, clothes, shelter, food, our basic needs. That's all we're thinking about. We're not thinking the fact that when you persecute me for righteousness sake, amen, that I'm blessed, that, I, that my reward in heaven will be great. Look what he says. He says, for in the same way they persecuted what? The prophets who were before you. Now, look at verse 13 for a minute. This is what I want to show you right quick. You are the what? Now, what does salt do? All right? Flavor? What else? Preserves? Huh? Cleans infections? What else does salt do? Salt brings flavor. It preserves, right? It holds things what? Together, right? He says you are, can I ask you a question? How's your flavor? <laughs> Amen. Some of you are like, well, you know what happens to salt when it loses its saltiness? <laughs> It's no good. Watch the text. It says it becomes what? See, when you become salty, <laughs> amen, because you're mad, <laughs> amen, don't nobody want to be around you. But the text says that the, you are the salt of the earth. In other words, the believer should be bringing stability, flavor to the world. Look what he says. He says, you are the what? The salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, it what? How can it be made what? Salty again. You see what I'm saying? What he's saying is it's impossible if it loses its, listen, if you lose your taste, if you lose your flavor, he says there's an impossibility here. And so I've watched Christians who have lost their taste. Seriously. They're no good to nobody but themselves and not even to themselves. When they go out into the world, nothing happens. When you walk into a room, something should happen. Amen. Watch this. Watch the text. The text says, it is no longer what? Good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled what? Underfoot. Verse 14. Look what he says, verse 14. He says, you are what? Now, Jesus is using these illustrations because now salt is a good illustration, but what he's saying is sometimes we can end up losing all of our flavor, all of our, you know, the fruits of the Spirit. We, we're not being effective. He says, you're the light of the world. You are. We are the what? The light of the world. Look what he says. A city set on a hill cannot be what? So here's the thing. You may try to hide the fact that you're a Christian, but you can't. If the light is in you, it's in you. And he says, look what he says. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on what? A hill cannot be hidden. Verse 15. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under what? A basket, but on a what? Lampstand. 
and it will give it gives what light to all who are what where so if you've lost your saltiness and if you've lost your light if you lost your taste if your life is just sour hmm and dim and dark how can you attract anybody how can you attract anybody to the Lord now I know y'all make me work tonight but it's okay amen it's alright it's alright this is not this is not stuff that this this is not milk this is meat right this is meat and those who are not accustomed amen to meat will spit it out but watch this he says, you are the light of the world. That should cause you to shout tonight. The fact that when I go into the world, things change. We turn up. Amen. We show the world that there's something different about us. Why? Because Jesus says, Jesus says this. Read the next verse for me. He says, let your what? Before who? But if you never go anywhere, and if you never share your faith, how can you let your light shine before men in such a way, watch this, so that they may see your what? And when they see your good works, Watch this now. If you want credit, wrong motives. He says so that when they see your good works, as a, listen, the world needs an example, y'all. You are an example. You are light. And when people see you, they should glorify God by the things that you do. I don't even know why this guy brought me, you know, paid for my gas today. When's the last time you paid for somebody else's gas? Oh, it's been a while. I haven't done that. It happened to me. But, but have you ever done it for anybody else? Right. Have you ever bought somebody else's food in the line? You follow what I'm saying? Let, let your light shine so that when they see your works, they will glorify God. They'll say, you know what's the first thing that's going to come out their mouth? Thank you, Jesus. From the moment they call on his name, thank you, Jesus. I didn't know how I was going to pay this bill, but thank you, Jesus. Why? Because you are what? The light of the world. We bring light to dark places. When we show up, the roaches get to running. I wish I had somebody. We're like Motel 6. We lights on all the time. You know why they keep the lights on all the time? They don't want them roaches to come out. <laughs> we, through our good works, look at the text. Our good what? Works. Listen, you may not have a lot, but you got something. And let me say this to somebody as I close tonight. Let me, let me leave y'all alone. Let me close. Listen to this. In your need, that's when you give. Don't give when you got a lot of money. But it's when you need something that you extend your hand to somebody else and through your good works, they're going to say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for what you did for me. You know what? The Bible talks about what true religion is. When you see somebody in need and you just turn your head, 
It's not true religion. Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's what happens when you keep your flavor and you keep your light lit. Don't let people take your flavor. Don't allow people to get you so angry to the point where you just lose all your flavor. But let your light shine so that others will see and say, you know what? That's a Christian. I want to know where you go to church. I want to know who you hang around with. Amen? Give God a hand clap of praise tonight.